Welcome to episode 20, Can Rope Flow Help Your Rotator Cuff? In this episode, we're going to define what is rope flow. The most common postural shoulder positions with rotator cuff issues, the most common exercise that's used to treat the rotator cuff or strengthen the rotator cuff, and four basic movements of rope flow that can help your shoulder out. Welcome to the Posture Strength and Mobility Podcast. I'm Isaac Osborne, and I'm here to share with you tips, tricks, hacks, interesting musings, and much more in short, digestible episodes. To learn more about how you can improve your posture, strength, and mobility, check out the show notes for links. Onward with the show. Let's dive in to what is rope flow. Rope flow is basically a movement training, some people call it functional movement training, people do high-intensity interval training with it, and it's a it's a movement of you're spinning a rope and you're bringing it onto different sides of your body. You can use one hand, you can use two hands. There's a lot of different ways to use it. The best is to basically show you basic, uh, what rope flow is by showing you this video. Okay, so you can see here that I'm spinning the rope and this is in an overhand motion. And uh, the rope is going on either side of my body. It's going to the right side of my body, then going to the left side of my body. And this is creating like basically a figure eight loop back and forth that can keep you continuously spinning the rope. That's the basic rope flow movement of single arm. So there's there's a double arm and then there's also a single arm. The thing with rope flow is that you're creating centrifugal force and you're getting movement along your shoulder uh, front and back movement and you're having to stabilize your spine and your pelvis while you're doing these movements, but you can also rotate with it. So there's a lot of rotational aspects to this rope. And I think that's part of the reason why it's popular or gaining in popularity because it's a functional movement in that sense where you're getting these rotational aspects into the body. Rotational movement is a key movement for the body because rotation is essentially what we use all the time in movement especially walking, running, swimming, climbing, and crawling, our most natural movements. You can type in rope flow in YouTube and you'll get a plethora of videos that come up. Lots of videos on rope flow. Uh, you can see that their views doesn't have massive millions of views at this point in time, but as time goes on, I bet you that things will increase. Now, I personally got into rope flow uh, in the last maybe eight months or so. And one of the reasons why I got into it, it was I got it first into these, uh, what's our Indian clubs. And the Indian club movements are really great movements for your shoulders as well. As well. However, you can miss a lot of important steps into Indian club work because it's a weighted bell, so to speak. And you're, you're doing these movements and it can be a little bit more stressful on people's shoulders. Plus, there's this, there's the, like I said, the centrifugal force of the rope that gives you a different movement quality. But there's movements that Indian clubs and the rope flow work share and are both really good for the shoulder. And it's a great way to transition people into the Indian clubs because the, uh, the rope is a lot more safe from a weight standpoint and Indian clubs can put your shoulder in precarious positions if you don't have the proper range of motion that I've seen some people kind of tweak their shoulders with. 
even though it is such a great shoulder movement, weight, adding weight can be detrimental sometimes to the joint if you can't get the movement correctly. That's basically what rope flow is and how I've gotten into it. I really enjoy doing it. I felt some really big differences in my shoulders, especially the back of my shoulders and strengthening more, uh, get what's called retraction in the shoulders with, with certain movements. It's great for motor control, uh, cross-body mechanics. It's really good for your brain. Let's go over some common postural shoulder positions that a lot of people have with rotator cuff issues. I'm going to show you some common postural positions associated with rotator cuff issues and, and how it can be a detriment to the rotator cuff. The most common position for people that have rotator cuff issues is a rounded and forward sh shoulder or protracted shoulder. So you can see this, the blade of the shoulder blade here has moved away from the spine. So it's what's called a protracted position. And then also the blade has has what's gone into what's a downward turn. So that causes the rounding in the shoulder. Once this happens, you get a pinching here at the at the uh, supraspinatus tendon and at, with the acromioclavicular joint or the AC joint. So that's the most common position that you can have with rotator cuff. You get a, probably a rounded back, potentially a forward head as well. But then there's also this position here where you get a hyperextension of the spine and you get the shoulder kind of lifted and elevated, but still, it's still being rounded forward. And what happens is in this hyperextended position, people pull down on their lats quite a bit to kind of position their shoulder slightly back and then down. And, and then what happens there, you get a slight dislocation in the, the glenohumeral joint right here. Now, the rotator cuff muscle, you can see here, is if I rotate, if I rotate this bone, the humerus here, this becomes slack. And what that would mean in a muscle, that would be a muscle contraction right there. Also, this muscle here, the, the infraspinatus. And then when your arm moves and elevates in this position, if the shoulder doesn't move, the AC joint doesn't stay open. The other rotator cuff muscle here is subscapularis, and you can see that's involved in internal rotation. That's when that contracts. And then an external rotation is when the infraspinatus contracts. So these two are really antagonist and agonist antagonist relationships along with teres minor here. So the rotator cuff muscles are stabilizers. That's what they that's what they do. They're not big movement big movers like your delts and your traps and your bicep. Those are prime movers. They're big movers in the body. Rotator cuff is more for stabilization. So finer tuned movements of rotation are what go, are going to help the, the rotator cuff movement. Now, most people in this position, we have a lot of rounding in the shoulder, but then we also have some potential internal rotation. So what ends up happening is the infraspinatus and teres minor's muscles get really weak and over lengthened when you're in this position. So they can't externally rotate the, the, the humerus bone here. And this is where you see the most common exercise uh, given by, by shoulder rehab is to do basically hold your hold your hand in this position you're holding onto a band and then you're rotating out like this to try to strengthen these two muscles well 
the problem with that is that most of the time people really pull their elbow into their side and don't put, reposition their shoulder blade. The reposition of the shoulder blade is incredibly important. Also, that movement, it's not, it's not the, it's an awkward movement and it's, it's not the most natural movement, so to speak. Whereas if you want to move your arm properly and have that stabilized, this shoulder blade needs to be able to change its position. Again, it needs to pull against something. So what natural movements, what might you think about like that would do those type of movements? Think about driving. Driving is not a straight across movement like this. Driving, if your hand is on the wheel, it's going to reach over. That shoulder blade is going to come, is going to come off the back, and then you're going to pull around this way. And you'll see here in a minute when I show when I show the the video of, of me doing the rope, that's exactly what you're doing in that rope movement. You're pulling it around and you're pulling it around like this, and the shoulder blade's coming onto the back. Of course, if you're doing the movement right. If you're not doing the movement right, that centrifugal force of the rope won't be able to be uh, happening when you do the movement. Before we get into more details about the rope flow and breaking down what the arm movements are doing while you're doing rope flow, I want to show you uh, my friend here, Mike, who just recovered from rotator cuff surgery. He just finished PT about a month ago. He had, uh, I, I believe it was eight weeks of PT and his range of motion improved. But as you can see by these photos, he isn't anywhere near it was his left arm so this this is his left arm here his right arm is the one that did not get surgery his left arm got surgery he tore his labrum dislocated his shoulder a bunch of bunch of stuff it was a horrible injury um so it just completely worked his rotator cuff but he had rotator cuff issues before that surgery and dealing with constant uh, dislocations in his shoulder so we can see from the from the side here when he tries to raise his arm over his head you can see his right arm is going over his head obviously some still some work to do with that right arm but see how he's basically leaning back he's he's pushing his rib cage forward to try to even get his arm at that height if he didn't lean his rib cage forward in reality his arm would be basically at a horizontal almost if he wasn't really pushing his ribcage really far forward to get his arm up over his head. And that could go to some extent to his right arm as well, that where that's where we need to improve that range of motion in his right arm. So there's a lot of ribcage stuff going on for him and him not being able to extend his ribcage properly, that it's affecting how his shoulder blade sits on his back and not being able to raise his arm over his head. But what I found that was really interesting is when we had him go for some rope movements and we'll play this video here so he was he was able to get the overhand movement but not the underhand movement and now watch when he goes across his body so the motor basically the motor control and the coordination for him he was not able to get yes he can kind of pull his arm back but he wasn't able to bring it underneath and, and continue that rotation underneath and bring his arm back over around. So basically his rotator cuff wasn't coordinating properly with his traps, 
his spinal erector muscles, his rhomboids. There's stuff going on in his bleaks. There's, there's compression going on in his rib cage. So we have some decent amount of work to do with getting him to have the proper motor control. And I would bet money on the fact that before his surgery, yes, this is his left arm. So people are less coordinated than they are on one side than the other, but that doesn't mean we can't work on it. So I would bet on, on the fact that before his surgery, I didn't get a chance to get to him with this rope stuff before the surgery, that this was more than likely the case, but even before his injury. He was having issues of dislocation for years. His, his shoulder would dislocate like once a year. Finally, it tore it up so bad that it locked up and you know he had to get surgery. So this is a good example of one, coordination is important. Coordination and motor control is really important for your body to be able to relate to certain movements. If your body can't do these movements, yeah, posture is one thing. I don't try to, we should put emphasis on it, but not a huge amount of emphasis. Movement control, range of motion, how your body stabilizes is much more important to put emphasis on that because your body is essentially stuck in these movements. He doesn't have the control to be able to do these movements. So if he doesn't have control to do these simple movements, then in other areas of life, he's not going to be able to have certain movements in his range of motion, in his arm, to be able to resist injury or reduce injury or um, have the ability, especially in older age, to reach over your head. Uh, that's really important. You're going to lose it. The body's rule is use it or lose it. Now, when muscles atrophy, unless there's some kind of underlying serious disease or neurological issue, they're always available to come back to us. They, they, they atrophy to a certain point where they're not completely gone. However, the older we get, the harder it is to access and the longer it takes to access them. All right, so now let's take a look at the rope flow movement. What I want you to pay attention to is what, what's happening with my shoulder blade here. You can see my shoulder blade is more on my back here. It's, it's kind of up and back. So now as, as the rope circle, circles around, my shoulder blade contracts more onto my back, stays elevated. Then it comes over. I'm bringing the rope on the other side of my body. And then now my shoulder blade has come off my back. And this is an important point. As, as I circle the, the rope again, I'm bringing it back over. I'm pulling it back and using my shoulder blade to pull it back. This same movement is that external rotation that the band movement that people typically do with the ro rotate, rotator cuff exercise. And what I'm trying to demonstrate here is that the rotator cuff and the shoulder blade should be able to move at the same time. Sure, you should be able to, to have it stable and, and in one spot and move it around. However, this is a far better movement in my opinion because one, it's motor control, cross-body mechanics. It's involving sp spinal stabilization and you're not locking that arm to your side and locking that shoulder blade down in one place. Your shoulder blade is thinking, okay, great. I need to stay here all the time to be able to get this type of movement. No, we want your shoulder blade to come off your back and then go back onto your back, off your back and back onto your back while the rest of your body stabilizes that shoulder coming off and then back on again. This is really important because once you move one portion of the body, other parts of the body have to stabilize, not just everything really stiff and just trying to move one area. 
It's not truly teaching your rotator cuff to actually, quote unquote, flow, right? And be able to be adaptable in movements. It's just giving it one area of range of motion to be able to get, uh, to get strong and to start stabilizing. So again, go ahead and watch this video. My shoulder blade is coming on, off my back, on my back, off my back, on my back. The other factor here that I think is really important to, to talk about is how my wrist, my wrist is going through supination and pronation at the same time, which is it's twisting, uh, twisting to where my palm goes down and to where my palm goes up. This matters as well and how it's going to interact with triceps, biceps, delts, Again, the rotator cuff muscles, the traps, the rhomboids, because these, these three joints should have a, a relationship of interrelating in different positions. If you don't have that ability to internally and externally rotate, even in the lower forearm, it's going to limit your range of motion, your rotation, your extension, your, your elevation, everything with your shoulder if you have limited range of motion in your wrist. So that's another important factor is that wrist movement and rotation ties into the ability of your rotator cuff to be able to stabilize and neurologically uh, fire proper muscles while you're getting that movement. Okay, now we're looking at the underhand single arm. It's going back and forth. Again, you're working with rotation of the wrist. You're working with rotation of the spine. You're getting cross-body mechanics. It's a different arm. So the other arm has to stabilize while you're doing this movement. Yes, it's a light movement. Yes, there isn't a huge amount of heavy weights, but your body's having to resist against that centrifugal force that you're creating with the rope. And again, there's my, my shoulder going off my back and then on my back again. And we're getting some interaction and rotation in the spine. The neck is having to stabilize in that same position. As, as we go through that movement. Now, this is the movement that my friend Mike had the same, had issues with. He couldn't, he wasn't able to get this movement because if, if my shoulder blade can't, re, can't protract and come off my back, then you can see how when it goes, I'm using my left hand, so when it goes on the right side of my body, the circle is going on the right side of my body. I have to reach over there and try not to rotate a huge amount to go over there. Sure, my spine is going to rotate a little bit as I go over in that direction over there. However, my shoulder has to be able to pull off my back to be able to do that. And then it needs the mechanics to be able to pull all the way back and get that external rotation in that bone, the humerus, as it goes back. Right, and those rotator cuff muscles that rotate that humerus, as I was demonstrating with the skeleton, they need to tie into coordination with the rhomboids and the traps and the spine to be able to bring it back over there. So you can see that, that this movement has far more dynamics than just a single band movement, because that single band movement isn't really teaching that rotator cuff to stabilize and, re, and relate it's positioning to whatever else it is that you're doing. And these are just some of the, some of the movements of rope flow. There's a lot of different movements with rope flow. And I'm going to show you two more movements that, that rope flow has. And, and they're, they're, they're a little bit harder to do because they're double handed. So the single hand is, is the easiest. And I think people can get a lot out of this movement from doing this exercise, even going as further to get, add more weight at some point, 
a heavier rope, add more weight to this single arm movement can really dramatically help improve your rotational movement. Because I'm, I'm also having to, to coordinate with my pelvis, my lower leg, my upper body, my head. Everything's having to coordinate and quote unquote flow while I'm doing this movement. Okay, so now I'm doing the overhand movement. And this movement is called the matador. And this, this movement, there's the overhand matador and the underhand matador. This movement is the overhand matador. And you can see how I'm crossing my arms over each other. One arm crosses over. I'm also bending my knees and, and then positioning myself on the other side. So I'm, I'm positioning my weight on the other side as I do it. There's much more rotation involved. And rotation, again, is really, really important because the pelvis, because of the lats, the obliques, and the ribcage position, what your pelvis position is doing can absolutely influence what's going on in your shoulders. So if I have a rotation in the pelvis and it won't come out of that rotation, then I'm not going to get true mechanics into my shoulders because my, my ribcage and my shoulders have to be able to relate dynamically to what's going on in my pelvis. So you can see here, I'm rotating to both sides. And I'm getting this overhand movement, right? And I'm spinning the rope in both hands at the same time. Again, for motor control, this is great for motor control. This is great for your brain. It's also great for rhythm and those sort of things to be able to do this movement. And you can see I have one arm pushing and one arm pulling as I cross right there. Watch my right shoulder here. I'm pulling back and pushing over and then pulling back. Push over and then pull back with my right. So I push over with my left and then pull back with my right. To be able to do this movement, I have to have that coordination and be able to have these different movements going on in my shoulders at the same time. All right, so that's the basic analysis of, of how a rope flow can actually help your shoulders become stronger, better coordinated with your body, better motor control, and you're getting fluid in there. It's not even touching on the fact that rope flow is really fun. It kind of brings you back to that, that time when you were a kid, when you just spin things around. I don't know about you guys, but I did it all the time. I was always spinning and throwing things as, as a kid. So again, it gives me that sense of being a kid again. It's because it's play. And there's nothing more fun than play as your exercise. That's the way I look at it. Hopefully you do too. So grab a rope, grab a friend, and start doing some rope flow. It's really great for your shoulders. It's it's a low impact cardio as well. I fell in love with it. All right, guys, that's it for today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with a friend, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a positive review so others may find it and get help too. Check out the show notes for links on how to win a mini integrator massage gun, posture strength and mobility classes that focus on corrective exercises, or self-myofascial release protocols for neck pain, back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis, and much more with my massage gun, The Integrator. Until next time, keep exploring your body and stay curious.